Okay, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God of all grace, govern our hearts that we may never forget your blessings, but steadfastly thank and praise you for all your goodness in this life. Until with all your saints we praise you eternally in your heavenly kingdom, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. So, uh, what you saw there was, um, there was a little, uh, for, for those of you who were, were here a little bit earlier, there was a clip um, from before what you studied last week, which was sort of Joseph wrestling with the dilemma of, uh, of marrying Mary, uh, but then also the, the intervening stuff between the birth of Jesus and him, his growth, right? His, his maturing. Um, at this point, just for interest's sake, at this point we're like a, an hour and a half into the Zeffirelli film, and Jesus is only about 12 years old. So it's really long. Um, but it, it, do, it does speed up a little bit, but um, there's a, as, you, as you might guess, of course, there's a lot of material there that's not, uh, not, not in the Bible, but, um, but you, saw the, uh, you saw some of the things that the, the director was trying to sort of highlight. So, I mean, the, Jesus' gaze, for one thing, is... is uh, is poignant, what, right? I mean, it's almost disturbing, like the way he, the way he looked at his mother. Um, uh, one thing I mentioned before m- many of you came was you heard that, that, that music that came in when Jesus w- came on the scene, right? That, that sort of da-da-da-da. I can't, I can't sing it. But uh, that's Jesus' leitmotif. That's, his, that's the music that comes when, when Jesus is sort of on the scene. And we'll, we'll hear that again today. Today, um, we're going to spend time talking about John the Baptist. The next scene in Jesus of Nazareth is, um, introduces John the Baptist. But before we do that, do you have any questions? Anything, anything left, um, left over from last week? Anything you want to talk about? Okay. We need to get, uh, I should have done this beforehand. We need some Bibles. Raise your hand if you need a Bible. How many Bibles do we need? One, two, three, four. Just a few. Let me do that. So now I, I kind of give it away by the, what's, what's on the handout there, but the, one of the big questions uh, that you have to sort of reckon with before we, before we uh, take a look at John the Baptist is, what kind of a person is John the Baptist? What do you know about John? A cousin of Jesus. Okay, so, um, and there's, there's this uh, remarkable thing um, that happens when Jesus, when Mary comes with Jesus, right? The baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. John recognizes Jesus even before um, he can see Jesus, even before he's, you know, Jesus is, before Jesus is born, which then, you know, sheds light on the fact that later, I mean, uh, it's, it's unclear just how much time they would have spent together growing up, considering that they're only six months apart in age. But when Jesus later comes to be uh, baptized by John, and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, um, he, he has this, uh, this knowledge of Jesus that's, that's divine, divinely inspired, right? And, was, and has been given to him from, from the womb, even. Okay, great. So his cousins of Jesus. What, what else? What about John? What? Okay. That's, and and that's, sort of, uh, that's sort of key. So cousin of Jesus and prophet. Now, um, we often take this word... Prophet for granted. What is a prophet? A visionary. Okay. Um, and uh, can you explain that? Why? Why? What makes a prophet a visionary? Or why is a prophet a visionary? Okay. So a prophet um, says what's going to happen. Um, and 
And prediction might, I mean, that, that's, it's a word that we often use to describe it, but, um, but it's, it's more of a, pro, a proclamation, a, you know, a declaration, right? This, this will, in fact, happen. It's not a guess. It's not an educated guess, right? Yeah, right, no, but this is, this is usually the word we use to describe it, right? Okay, so, yeah, excellent. Nancy? Okay. Sometimes there are provisions in the prophecies, like when Paul tells people on the, the shipwreck that if you let these men get out on their boat, then you know, everybody will not be saved. But if you know, everybody stays together, we'll be saved. Right. Right, yeah. So, um, uh, so, so being able to have, have an insight into what's going to happen. But you said something interesting um, at first. You said to call people back, right? So the contingency is... If people, ter- if, they, if people do this or that thing, what's a good word to describe what prophets want people generally to do? Repent. Okay. So the message of a prophet is generally repentance. Now, what is, uh, we're, here we're digging deep. What is repentance? Turning, turning back. Okay. Turning around. Okay, good. Um, in in uh, Hebrew, the word for repentance is, is the same word that's used for physically turning around. So it, it, it d- denotes that specifically, turning around. Um, in Greek, the word for repentance um, has, to do with, has to do with the mind. It, it, and it means literally a change of mind. Or cha- and, and, and not mind just purely in terms of intellect, but in terms of your heart, right? So... Um, changing the heart. Barb. Oh, yeah, right. They're not just making it up. So, and that's really important. So, a prophet speaks God's word, and this is um, throughout the history of Israel. This is, really, this is a really important thing because there are false prophets, people who claim to speak God's word um, but don't, in fact, speak God's word. And so the measure of a prophet is whether he's faithful to what God tells him. And um, as we're, we're going to see in just a minute, that's not always something that a prophet wants to do, okay? Um, let's back up just for one second to repentance, turning around, changing the heart. Um, let's flush it out just a little bit more. What does that entail? What what is that? What are the what are the components? Break that down. Um, how does that work practically in life? How does how do you repent, Donna? Okay, so it begins with confession. I chose the wrong marker. Um, confess confess your sins, right? So it begins with the acknowledgement of of sin, but it doesn't end there. Right, because if you if you simply acknowledge your sin, um, you're you either despair or you harden your heart. Right, if that's all you know is your sin, you either despair or harden your heart. You say, uh, "There's no hope," or "I don't care." Right. So, what's the other part of repentance? Yeah, yeah, faith, belief in the forgiveness of sins, um, repentance. This, con- confessing your sins is only half of repentance. We say this about in the small catechism about confession and absolution, right? It has two parts. First, that you confess your sins, and second, that you receive forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself, right? Kirby? Sometimes we need a little help even recognizing our 
That's right. That's what the prophets do. Yeah. And I think it's particularly hard in our world where everyone thinks that a lot of people think they're not sinning. They just have a difference of opinion. Exactly. Right. They are a right to do whatever they are. Right. So, so at different times, and depending on the context, and this is, this is um, we see this as, as prophets and as, um, as Jesus and, and the apostles deal with individuals in the scriptures, that at different times, these two parts of repentance are, 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 have different weight, right? So for many people, for, for the Corinthians, right, it's all Paul can do to get them to acknowledge that, you know, sleeping with your mother-in-law is not a good idea, right? Because <laughs> um, they, and they, they just, they're like, oh, this is okay, no big deal. Um, at other times, uh, it's believing that Jesus forgives your sins, which is the, the more difficult part of repentance, right? But um, repentance is the whole thing. It's the whole thing. And in that, in, um, it, also to be remembered is that um, it's all the work of Jesus, right? So um, Jesus is the one who, who, who shows us, who gives us his law to tell us what's right and wrong. And he's the one who says, I've forgiven your sins. Nancy. But if you don't Okay, now that's, and that's, that, so what, fo- that's exactly right. So what follows from faith is um, a change in behavior, a new heart, and you're given a new heart, a new will. Um, and so you would expect to see change. Now this, here we, get, here we en- enter into a, the, the whole challenge of being a Christian, which is that we say, okay, I believe that my sins are forgiven, and yet I'm still pretty rotten. So what does that mean, what does that mean about me? Well, it doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. What it means is I need Jesus even more, right? Um, if you, now one of the, one, some of them here, we're getting way, way off topic here, but I appreciate it because this is interesting stuff. Um, the, you, a, lot of, a lot of problems arise if you in, invert the order of these things, right? You say, well, first, in order to be a Christian, you have to change your ways as a demonstration of your sorrow over sin, and then you're a believer, right? That's backwards, right? You, you can't change anything unless Jesus changes you first, okay? All right, now, um, thinking, of the, thinking of the prophets in the Bible, um, how would you characterize their, their message, generally speaking? What kind of a tone do they have? Harsh, right, right. Um, a harsh tone, uh, exactly. They're, they're usually, prophets arise um, in, in the Old Testament primarily when the nation of Israel has gone off the rails, right? Um, and being a prophet in those situations is not pleasant because your job is to say to people who are sinning, you're sinning and you need to, you need to turn around. Um, I, I give you a couple of pages from this book uh, by uh, Abraham Heschel, who's a, who's a Jewish um, scholar. And he, he writes, he gives this really nice description of what it's like to be a prophet. And this has a lot to do with the fact that the prophets are speaking God's word. So they're bound, prophets are bound to speak God's word. If you, if you, if you read any of the, the narratives in the Bible about prophets being called, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they never chose to be a prophet, Right? They, they said, nope, I don't want to do that. And God said, you're going to do it, right? Um, but the, listen, to what, listen to what Abraham Heschel says uh, here. Just on the first page, this one sentence, um, 
This is sort of our perspective on prophets. The world is a proud place full of beauty, but the prophets are scandalized and rave as if the whole world were a slum. And then turn to the next page. Again, uh, to us, a single act of injustice, cheating in business, exploitation of the poor is slight. To the prophets, a disaster. To us, injustice is injurious to the welfare of the people. To the prophets, it is a death blow to existence. And this is the way they sound when they preach, right? Um, To us, an episode, uh, uh, let's see, to us, an episode, to them, a catastrophe, a threat to the world. Then look at the last paragraph that's highlighted. This is the best paragraph. The prophet is a man who feels fiercely. God has thrust a burden upon his soul, and he is bowed and stunned at man's fierce greed. Frightful is the agony of man. No human voice can convey its full terror. Prophecy is the voice that God has lent to the silent agony, a voice to the plundered poor, to the profaned riches of the world. It is a form of living, a crossing point of God and man. God is raging in the prophet's words. And so you get this picture of what's going on inside of a prophet. Um, Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah gives us a really vivid description of what this, what this was like for him. Jeremiah chapter 20. And if, if in the Red Bibles you have a page number, go ahead and shout it out so everybody can... 647. Now, Jeremiah was perhaps uh, the least eager of the prophets, he, uh, and he had it really rough. <laughs> um, he, was, he, had a, he, he was persecuted... Uh, brutally his whole life because he had um, such a devastating message to proclaim to Israel. But this is what he says. Look at um, verse 7, Jeremiah 20, verse 7. O Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak out, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. And then down at the, at the, near the end of the chapter, verse 14, Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, a son is born to you, making him very glad. Let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning. And an alarm at noon, because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave, and her womb forever great. Why did I come out from the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Being a prophet is uh, not a pleasant experience, right? Um, And so this, I I wanted to give you that um, as sort of a backdrop for how we understand John. Now, um, John is, is... primarily, first and foremost, a prophet. And you know the message that he comes to preach. Um, He comes in the wilderness, a voice crying in the wilderness, right? Make straight the way of the Lord. The rough places be made smooth, you know? Um, And and that work, that smoothing out, that leveling of the hills is, um, is, is rough work. So, with all of that in mind, um, Let's think a little bit about how John might be portrayed in, in film, okay? So, um, what, are some of the key, what are some of the key uh, factors that a director would have to think about when, when portraying John? But, do you have any questions first? No? Okay. 
Okay. Uh, usually when Jesus, when Jesus, or when God comes to them and says, you buddy, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be a prophet. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult to say. Um, so like uh, Isaiah becomes a prophet. He's serving in the priesthood. Um, he's making, he's offering sacrifices in the temple and then a, there's a vision, right? Um, Samuel's a prophet from when he's a little boy, when he hears, when he hears God call him. Right? So it, it varies, right? Um, the call of a prophet is a momentous, a momentous occasion. Um, Jonah, you know, was sent to Nineveh um, when, he was, when, when he was older. And now Jonah, of course, is a great example of how a prophet can't escape that call, right? He tried to, but it didn't work. Okay? Good. So John sounds like he was as long as he ever knew. Well, it, it, I mean, it certainly seems that way because take a look at, here, open up to Luke chapter 1. That's, that's a very good point. Luke chapter 1, verse 60, 67. Uh, ver, actually, skip down. So Zechariah, his father Zechariah, after, after John is born, Zechariah sings or prophes, prophesies. Um, this is one of, the, one of uh, the New Testament songs that we sing often in church. Um, verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So, from, from the day of his birth, his father said, you're going to be a prophet, right? Because, because that's what God told him. And, that, and, uh, and that's, why, that's why he was named John, and not, and not, another, not another name from, among, from the family. Okay, anything, any other questions? Okay, so real quickly here, because we, we have a couple of clips I want to I watch for, for the sake of contrast, but how might you, how might you portray John? What, what might John be like? I mean, you know certain things about him, right? He's in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Okay, so you have to be in the wilderness. In cases, he always has, like, crazy hair. Crazy hair. I think that you can't have a John without crazy hair. <laughs> Although we do, I'll show you one, um, and it, it, it's like cognitive dissonance to see it. Crazy hair. What else? Doesn't smile. It comes off as a loner. Yeah, yeah. And this this is um, this is part of the character of a prophet. So he's a loner um, because he is uh, he's sort of hysterical, right? He's a character. He's and and this is again, I, I think that um, thinking carefully. What it's like to be a prophet is helpful because if you're a prophet and you, you have this message that God has put inside of you that you can't keep in, right, um, that's, that's all you have, right? You have nothing else. If you, once you, saying that message is your sole purpose in life, which is why later John says when Jesus comes, he must increase and I must decrease because his purpose has been fulfilled, right? And that's why Jesus also says about John, um, among among uh, men born of, uh, of women, there is no one greater than John, right? Barb. Didn't he eventually have disciples? He, he did have disciples. So, he, so, so um, in that sense, he, uh, he was a teacher. He had people who were listening to him and following him, right? Yep. But, and then he sent his disciples to follow Jesus. His message was hard, but it also was practical. He was saying people like, you can't do your way to Right. If you're a tax collector, you can say, well, just renounce that right away. If you don't take more than you're supposed to, 
Right. Um, older soldiers, but not to, um, you know, uh, how they call it, emancipation. I mean, he was practical things. He wasn't telling them to just... Right. Which is also, this, and this is also important to the character of a prophet. So when a, pro- a prophet doesn't just preach fire and brimstone, but when, when, when there's contrition, when there's sorrow over sin, the message is, the message is forgiveness. And that's what, that's what Zechariah said, right? Ultimately, your job is to um, show the way of salvation, right? Now, along the way, you're going to level a lot of rough places, but salvation and mercy that's the that's the message and and, and it, it comes out in very practical terms he's a he's a pastor as as, as much as he is a just a sort of a, a, a voice in the wilderness okay all right so let's uh let's do this um gotta keep track of time here open uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at um Pasolini's uh gospel of matthew first but i want to read i want to read from matthew um John in the wilderness, preaching and baptizing first. So this is Matthew chapter 3. Actually, first, I'm going to show you John with nice hair. This is from, this is from the King of Kings, um, 1966, I think. Um, I find it really disappointing. But, uh, okay, we'll stop there. Um, if you were going to characterize that, uh, just how does that strike you? What kind of a, what kind of a John is that? Tidy, yeah, very well kempt. <laughs> he probably doesn't smell too bad, no. Um, and and uh, I, I'm, it's, he's overwhelmingly calm, right? Just just, uh, uh, just preaching in a normal, sort of a, a normal voice. Um, you don't get the sense that he's overflowing with this message, right? Okay, listen, to, okay, so Matthew chapter 3. Uh, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Okay? So that's, that's Matthew's portrayal of John. And here is um, Pasolini. Okay? This is about six, six minutes long. Five, five and a half. Okay, all right. So, uh, what are some things you noticed about about that about that portrayal of John? Anything stand out to you? Much stronger wind with the fire and brimstone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. G- generally speaking, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More intense. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, he, and certainly he seemed older than Jesus, yeah. right? Um, why do you suppose that might be? Yeah. Right. Okay. What else? Anything else? How about um, were, uh, was his character flat? Was he the was he the same all the time, the whole time? No. Right. Um, so we saw. Th- I think we saw like th- three different three different sets sets of emotions. Right. So. As he's baptizing the people, he's, he's preaching repentance. But then, who does he see up in the, in the, the Pharisees, right? And, um, I mean, you can hear him spitting out these words, right? Um, and then when Jesus comes, it's something completely different, too, right? Um, he, uh, he, he sees that Jesus is the fulfillment, the, the, the one who's there to fulfill what he's, what he's um, preaching, okay? Um, all right, any, any questions about that? Julie. At the end, after Jesus is baptized, he looks up, and everybody do they all hear that? Well, so now it's hard to tell from it's hard to tell from um, from that depiction. That's right. In in Matthew, it says, "Behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased.'" Right. So, um, you know, we saw we saw in uh, in Jesus of Nazareth. You remember when the Annunciation to Mary, right? She was Gab- she was the only one who who heard Gabriel speaking. Later, when when in fact we the viewers don't even hear Gabriel, but when Joseph is uh, hearing the angel speak, everybody everybody can hear the angel. Well, here it seems it sure seems like the voice is from heaven. Although, if it is from heaven, it's not. It's like a it's kind of a it's not a booming thundering voice like you would expect, right? It's very it's very sort of tame. Um, that the dove is missing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now I wanted to show you that one sort of as, as an intermediate between um, Jesus with good hair and, um, and what's going to come next because the depiction of John the Baptist in Jesus of Nazareth is, uh, is remarkable. And, I, and, we're gonna, and also, the, uh, so there's two things I want to show you yet. One is Jesus and John, uh, John and Jesus of Nazareth. And then John in the last temptation of Christ. Okay, so let's let's uh, do uh, these things uh, first. Um, I had in mind to read some of Luke, but we we know the story pretty well. I think um, it's pretty much the same the same account in Luke, um, except one difference in Luke, uh, Luke chapter three. Um, and Jesus of Nazareth tends to follow Luke more than the other Gospels. Um, Luke three verse seven. Notice who John is. Uh, who John is um, sort of lambasting here. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized him by him, not the Pharisees, the crowds. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, and so forth. But then you hear, as Nancy, as you said, um, the crowds. The crowds are. The crowds turn. They are repentant. What then shall we do? Um, tax collectors also came to him. So we don't hear anything specific about a message, particularly for the Pharisees there. Um, but he's preaching the same message to everybody. Okay? So now hang on tight because this John is crazy. Okay, we'll stop there. Um, uh, the thing that John said, which um, isn't, isn't in the Bible, but what I think is really poignant, he said um, to Herod, if I don't warn you, what did he say? If I don't warn you, you will die in your sin and I will be held to account, right? 
Um, and and I, it's, it's, it's just um, it's such a, a pure image of what it means to be a prophet, right? Um, if a prophet doesn't speak the words that God has given to him, yeah, he, he will be held to account for it. That's why false prophets, prophets who um, preach peace when there is no pre- peace, right, who say um, all is well when not all is well, um, they have... They have judgment waiting for them. And that's why to be a prophet and to have to preach against somebody like Herod who finally executes John, right? That's, that's the fate that John has in store for him. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a devastating vocation to have. Um, he has nothing, as, as Herod said, he asks, for, asks nothing for himself but to be poor and naked, right? Because that's all, that's all he has. He has that and the word of God, okay? Um, so now... I, I, think I gave away my bias, but which of, of those three Johns, which do you like the best? <laughs> okay, now, so, um, so the, the, uh, we're not, I'm not going to show you the baptism scene of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Nelson will talk about that a little bit next week. Um, but you'll see that in this, in this Jesus of Nazareth film, um, again, how John changes, he changes his demeanor a little bit when, when, uh, when Jesus comes to be baptized. Okay, any questions at this point about John the Baptist? There's, there's, one more, there's one more set of clips I want to show you. And now uh, you've talked about, we've talked about the last temptation of Christ before, right? This Martin Scorsese film, which doesn't by any stretch of the imagination purport to be fi- uh, factual, right? In fact, it says right at the beginning, this is a fictional account. Um, there there uh, is a really interesting um, relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist. And I want to I watch it because... For one, it shows you another, another portrayal of John, um, and also because the conversation between Jesus and John um, is, it really gets to the, gets to the heart of um, the, the message of the gospel. Um, although, although Martin Scorsese may not have been necessarily, or the, or the author of the novel may not necessarily have been getting at it intentionally. So there's two clips to watch. The first is when Jesus uh, first meets John. So this is, John's been baptizing in the Jordan, and Jesus walks up behind him. Um, uh, he, Jesus doesn't, doesn't know whether or not he's the Messiah, okay, in, 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 this, in this story. He doesn't know whether or not he's the Messiah, and he comes to John to find out if he is, okay? So for, this first clip is pretty short. Okay, now, the, now that's just by way of introduction. Now listen to this conversation between Jesus and John after Jesus has been baptized by John. Okay. All right. So, did you did you follow the conversation? What's 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 at stake in that conversation? What are they What are they trying to decide? What are they arguing about, Nancy? Well, it's, I mean, I don't think it's very realistic. So okay. Right. 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 Okay, right, okay, so, so they certainly didn't have that conversation, right? Um, but think about, uh, think about uh, sort of the, the dichotomy. Um, John's right. At the bottom of, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, that's God's way, right? The destruction of evildoers, that's God's way. The proclamation of le- vengeance, laying the axe at the root of the tree. And here's Jesus, who uh, is a heart that loves, Right? And he says, that's God's way. Um, now, the, the, the whole, uh, one of the, the, the major premise of 
um, the film is Jesus' uncertainty throughout the whole film, right? He doesn't know, doesn't know what he's supposed to do, whether he's God and so forth. Um, and here, that uncertainty manifests because he doesn't, he doesn't know what the answer is. How can those two things be reconciled? Um, but but I, th- I, sus- I think you know the answer. Um, it's, a, it's a great conversation because it presents, in some sense, this sort of dialogue that we hear throughout the Bible. Um, you've heard it uh, when Moses is representing the people of Israel, right? They've built a golden calves, the golden calf, they're worshiping the golden calf. And what does Moses do? He intercedes for the people. He says, um, don't destroy them. For your righteousness sake, for the sake of your mercy, for the sake of your promises, don't destroy them. Um, and so Moses is, in a sense, the voice of God's love. And there's, at the same time, this voice of God's wrath. And how are those two things reconciled? It's a really important question. So what do you think? What's, what's the answer? How can, we have, how can we have John the Baptist, who preaches repentance um, uh, with, and, and, and chopping down trees, right? And um, uh, c- Jesus uh, coming to, uh, to burn up the chaff, and Jesus who comes and has mercy on um, adulterers and tax collectors and, uh, and Simon the Pharisee. How are those two things reconciled? Right, yeah, yeah. So if so, that and I think that that's what that scene is finally meant to evoke, right, Krista? Go ahead. <laughs> I think judgment will come. Right, right. Uh, and and but in terms of how love and justice uh, can coexist in in God's character, right? How God can be righteous and loving at the same time is found in 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 the person of Jesus who takes takes his righteousness on the cross and suffers, suffers the consequences for, for, for sin there. Does that make sense? Um, I, it's, it's, it's certainly an unrealistic conversation, but it, it sort of, I, in some ways, um, elucidates what I think might, you know, is, is uh, ultimately the, the, the problem, the trouble that we, that we run into with understanding how, how, how God works, right? How can we have a just God um, who, who hates sin um, who also loves sinners, right? How can that be? Um, and it's and it's only it's only in the person of Jesus. Otherwise, the otherwise Jesus' answer, I don't know, I don't know. There is no answer. There is no solution. There is no way out, right? Okay. Any questions, Nancy? Right. Right. And that's that has to um, that has to do a lot with uh, with how how preaching takes place. So uh, John is in the wilderness preaching, and he says something that, um, and Jesus comes and says, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand as well." And he says says this thing, um, which you can't take a, you can't take a middle road on. You can't be neutral about it. We see this we see this in the gospel lesson for this coming Sunday. Uh, um, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and uh, says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments, what are they? You know, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, so forth, and all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, sell all that you have and give to the poor, right? And um, what's remarkable in the text 
is that uh, when Jesus says that, he looks at the man. So you can picture the scene in your mind. The man's there. They're having this conversation. He looks at the man and he loves him. That's what, the, that's what Mark says. Um, but what does the young man do? He turns and walks away, right? There, there are, there's, no, there's no sort of neutral ground there, right? Either you turn and walk away or you follow Jesus, right? Um, and, and that's the crisis that's uh, presented by a prophet like John. That's why having prophets around is really unpleasant <laughs> because they say things that force us to... Um, turn one way or the other, right? When they say, repent, um, saying, I don't care or I don't want to hear it is, uh, amounts to saying, no, I'm not going to repent, right? There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no, there's no neutral territory. Donna. Um, I like the way they portrayed Jesus in uh, John the Baptist. Was it in the King of Kings? Yeah. Where they spent a long, uh, they, there was a long time where Jesus was coming to be baptized. They really focused on Jesus and his um, intense mission, like to get to John the Baptist. Right. And it was it was quite a long time, and the expressions on their faces. Yeah. Uh, Jesus knew that he had to, and then but John was wondering why is he coming to me? Right. And then they actually said um, they gave Jesus words to fulfill all righteousness. Mm-hmm. And because God is all love and all just. I mean, Jesus had to come. Right. But he had the fill to do that. That's right, yeah. I thought that was a wonderful portrayal. Right, yeah. And in those those baptism scenes, you see, um, you get a glimpse at uh, uh, what it looks like for for Jesus to come to be baptized by John. So in Jesus of Nazareth, um, after John has preached to Herod, you see all of these people clamoring after John, just clamoring after him to, to baptize them, right? Pleading with him to baptize them. Um, and that Jesus would put himself in their company, right? And, and count himself in their number um, is, a, is a remarkable thing, right? Uh, Jesus who doesn't need to be baptized. Jesus who doesn't need uh, to, to repent or to have his sins forgiven. Um, and yet that's how righteousness is fulfilled, is by, by, by just as uh, when we saw Jesus... The, the boy Jesus in the temple, um, that, that God has come to dwell among his people, right? Okay. Uh, any, any other questions? Any comments? Okay. So next week, um, I think Pastor Nelson is going to talk a little bit about the baptism of Jesus. One of the things you, you notice um, in these films is that there's, there's much more time spent on John and relatively little time spent on the actual baptism. Um, so I think he's going to show you a couple of the baptisms, baptism scenes, but then also the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Okay, so if you want to study ahead, that's what, uh, that's what you have to look for. Okay? All right, let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.